You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. Well, all the way back in episode 43, I covered Topps Project 2020 for the first time. That was May, and the project was at the height of irrational exuberance. While three months have passed, we've had a number of developments that will continue to make this project fascinating. I wanted to spend some time today recapping some of the highs and the lows of the project so far and basically just kind of provide an update on where we are today with a little less than 150 cards to go. If you remember, the project started without much fanfare. It didn't seem to get much buzz, and the publicity it did get seemed to be fairly dismissive. The established collecting base didn't really appreciate the artistic interpretations of some of these early cards, and that $20 price point just seemed out of place in comparison with the other on-demand products that Topps had been making. And I felt the same way. I didn't really get the set. I didn't really understand the set. I was used to buying living set cards for $5 to $8 a piece, and the thought of spending $20 a piece and potentially $8,000 for this full set just seemed a little bit out of whack. Well, most of those print runs for the first few weeks were between one and 2,000 cards. There's only a handful of exceptions that cracked that 2,000 card barrier. Most traditional collectors didn't know who these artists were. Most of the fans of these artists thought it was really different that their artists were going to be doing a sports card as a medium for their art. And both of these things, in addition to the whole COVID world we found ourselves in, it really made it hard to figure out this product and what it was all about. A segment of the hobby, however, was sitting on the sidelines and were paying attention. And they started to see some of these early cards consistently selling for more than the purchase price on the secondary market, especially if you bought some of the multi-card bundles. After observing this myself for a week or so, I made my first purchase. And if you remember, I bought a multi-pack of both card number 33, the Don Mattingly, and number 35, Mike Trout. And I was going to test out the flippability of these cards and hopefully be able to keep one for myself for free. A couple weeks later, I had the cards in hand and was thrilled to sell them quickly for a small, modest profit. The Don Mattingly's all sold to the same buyer for, for a, a profit. The trout sold to a variety of people, and that's what actually led to the mail truck fire that I um, told about later on, one of the more unique instances or circumstances that I've been a part of in my collecting journey. But I was happy with those early results. You know, little did I know what craziness was about to ensue. The returns I saw on my test purchases made me want to continue buying, and so I started to expand my purchases. And beginning with card 57, the Blake Jameson Ricky Henderson, I began buying 5 and 10 of each card. That lasted a week or so before the speculation era began and things went haywire. That made me a little nervous, and so I backed my purchases down to two or three of the two-card bundles for each card, which kind of helped keep my exposure to a minimum. 
both prices and print runs continued to escalate with some of those early cards reaching four digits in prices. Cards were almost instantly selling for double the purchase price, and many of these higher print run cards were still reaching three digits. And all of this while shipping times were stretching out, and weeks and weeks worth of cards were being bought and sold multiple times on eBay without ever being delivered, without ever being in hand. It seemed to be that this thought of greed and the thought of easy money was taking hold and these flippers and speculators were combining with the collectors and fans to drive up what we ultimately saw as a peak print run of 99,177 cards for the Keith Shore Ken Griffey Jr. That was card number 88. Along the way, my own personal results, I had sold a few of my first cards I was getting in um, when I started buying consistently, the Ricky Hendersons, the Ted Williams that followed right after that. I sold some of those for three digits, and that was kind of at the peak period of time. The prices started to fall soon after that. I had a few of those buyers on eBay be honorable and stick to their purchase, even though the prices had started to fall. And I had a couple returns that um, people made up excuses on why they were returning the card. We all know it was because the prices were dropping. And so I did have a few returns on that. It didn't take too long in the midst of all that where I stopped selling actively on eBay, uh, just because I didn't even want to get into the whole return hassle. And so I am sitting on quite a few cards. Luckily, most of what I paid or what I did sell early on covered a lot of the cost of the cards that I continued to buy. Well, let's talk a little bit more about this, this era of retraction that we saw next. The print runs, the prices, and it seemed to be the number of customers buying this product all started to free fall after that peak Ken Griffey Jr. card. In subsequent weeks, we saw print runs drop into the 40,000 range, then the 30,000 range, then the 20,000, then the teens. And, you know, we then saw in the low hundred print run or the the card number in the low hundreds, we saw sales start to consistently get back under 10,000. And in the 150s, we started to see print runs below 5,000, except for some exceptions here and there with some of the popular artists and players. In fact, a couple weeks ago, we saw the Mariano Rivera card 233 only sell 1,900 copies. We were back full circle to these sub-2,000 print runs we saw in the first few weeks of the project. We have print runs in this project ranging from 1,100 to 99,000. That is so interesting to me. Let's talk a little bit about prices. Obviously, prices are nowhere near what they were back in May at their peak. However, it should be noted that the vast majority of cards from 1 to 60 still sell for well over cost. And many of those first 30 cards are still selling in the hundreds of dollars per card. Most of the cards in the peak print runs from 50 to 150 are selling at or below cost, with the worst of all being that peak Griffey at around 5 bucks. And now that print runs are much lower, we're starting to see selling prices stabilize, and some of the, the more recent cards are actually selling for a bit more than cost again. And so when it comes to prices, that's such an interesting piece. That's one of the additions that I had made to the Tops Living Set article that I've got is on a every few weeks, because I don't I don't intend this to be a real-time price guide, it's more of a reference point. 
I go in and update the a spreadsheet with kind of recent selling prices for every card that has actually been delivered in hand. I, I did I do that because I don't really view the cards that haven't been delivered yet as actual legitimate objects. I think it's a lot of funny money. So I do update recent selling prices for every card that has been in hand just to serve as a reference point every few weeks of where the, the prices are trending. And so again, if you want real-time prices, just go out to eBay. But if you want to see in one snapshot over time, the price trends develop, you can go to the price guide section of, of my blog and see where things have been. Now let's talk a little bit about the backlog. Like I just said, I'm only updating these prices for things that have been in hand, and that is only an issue because of this giant backlog that was created in the middle, uh, especially in the era of the peak popularity. At one point, Tops was sitting about two months behind in shipping cards to consumers. So, so keep that in mind. People were paying for their cards in that 48-hour window, and then had to wait over two months to actually get them in hand. Pre-orders were being canceled due to both the rapid decrease in values as well as the fact that some customers just simply weren't sure if they were ever going to get their card. I stopped updating, uh, like I said, the historical reference point of the prices because it just didn't seem like it It made any sense to, to talk about the resale value of a card that wasn't going to be in somebody's hand for two months. And much of this delay came from the fact that Tops was finding it difficult to get enough mag cases to meet demand. Those supply chain issues for all kinds of supplies in the hobby were impacting this product as well. They started to use a variety of cases and that just gave customers yet another thing to be frustrated about. These delays, different cases, and a handful of quality control issues were tarnishing what was a pretty creative and out-of-the-box product. Over the last few weeks, Tops has finally got what they need from a supply chain perspective, and they've been rapidly catching up on the backlog. At the time of this recording, I think they're only about two weeks behind, which almost seems current based on the months that we saw earlier. Personally, I stopped buying uh, weekly back in July. While I still love the cards, I just wasn't confident where, when I would see them, and the ability to have it be collected in a self-sustaining way. That's so much more important to me. And there were other hobby products, frankly, that I wanted to buy, and, and I made that choice to devote my attention there instead. At that same time was right when I was approached with the shop buyout, and I knew I was going to need to have some funds dedicated both to that upfront purchase price as well as wanting to, to have those funds available um, for other collections and things that I would be encountering once the shop was open. And, and those just just took a bigger priority for my collecting funds over continuing to put money into Pro Project 2020 card after card after card. And so that's when I finally stopped buying uh, the, the full run of cards. You know, the level of interaction and engagement from the artists themselves is another aspect of this project that's worth some conversation. Many of the artists have done interviews uh, within the hobby with different podcasts and video shows. And, you know, some of them talked to John Newman on the Sports Card Nation podcast. And I've got links to all of those interviews on the Project 2020 blog page as well. 
Blake Jameson even started his own web show and has done a ton to engage. Other artists have created compliment cards with more of their artwork that kind of serves as a companion piece to the actual Project 2020 card. Some have launched their own autograph program where they're buying cards directly from Tops and doing their own autographs on them and selling them direct to their fans, which gives them an opportunity to both expand their fan base and build additional revenue streams that will reach far beyond the direct commission they get from the sales of the cards themselves. Some of these artists seem to really get it, and others have been much more standoffish and um, appear a little bit more confrontational and short-sighted with their level of engagement and the thoughts on the actual collecting base for this project. And so seeing that difference of engagement and interaction between these 20 artists is just one more piece of this project that is super interesting to me. You know, this project is a marathon, and we're only about two-thirds of the way through it. I'm curious to see what the print runs for these last 150 cards are going to be. Will the lower print runs and the more modest and stable profits we're starting to see again lead to another small run-up and another small bubble? You know, will we see more publicity and marketing now that baseball has been back going for a few months and we're going to be headed into the postseason? Will we see some of that grow the fan base even more? Will we see the supply glut of peak production dry up enough for sellers of those cards to get close to breaking even again? And then into the future, I'm still so curious on how we're going to look back on this project. You know, depending on your own situation and when you got in and how much you bought along the way, you could have either made a ton of money on this project or lost a ton of money. And those dynamics are just fascinating to me. We have a project that's spanning nine months, 400 cards, 20 different artists, print runs that range from 1000 to almost 100000 selling prices that are ranging from $5 to over $1,000 for a card. And all of these artists have such different levels of engagement. There's such a case study to be had within the hobby here that I think we're going to look back and study years into the future. Or maybe some savvy collectors and savvy companies are going to be looking back and studying for years into the future. I, I just can't wait to see how this plays out over the next couple of years. You know, I've sold several of my duplicate cards for a profit early on. In the midst, like I said before, I was only buying one card for my own PC. Well, I still have quite a few duplicates that I'll be looking to sell at some point, but I'm perfectly happy sitting on them and waiting to see how things develop before I start listing them. I love the creativity by Tops on this project, and I love how it combines both art and cards. I see the two worlds of those different fan bases coming together, and I think we need more of this type of thing in the hobby if we want it to continue to grow. I have no idea what to expect over these next couple months, but however it plays out, I'm sure we're all going to have something to learn from and take away from it. I would love to hear what your journey with Project 2020 has been. Did you dismiss it and get into it and, and still get into it? Did you decide to pick on a specific artist or a, a specific player that you wanted to focus in and buy? Or did you hate it the whole time and you still hate it the whole time? 
I would love to hear your thoughts and your perspectives on TOPS Project 2020. You can reach out to me on Twitter at TheMikeSummer. You can send me an email at waxpackhero at gmail.com. I would love to hear what you have to say about this episode and TOPS Project 2020 in general. Well, that is all I have for you today. So I will catch you next time.